Welcome to The Other Worlds, the podcast where we explore the supernatural, the paranormal, and the fantasy worlds of our favorite books. We are part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and very happy to be so. I am Carrie Schaefer, one of your hosts. I am the author of the Between Fantasy Trilogy and the Shadow Valley Manor Mystery, Paranormal Mysteries, as well as as Carrie Ann King, I write women's fiction, which often has a little bit of magical realism in there. I'm Nola Nash. I am the author of the Crescent City series, the Traveler series, and House of Mirrors, all of which are paranormal fantasy mysteries with a whole lot of history. And our guest today, who obviously fits right in, is Paulette <laughs> Kennedy, the author of The Witch of Tin Mountain. Paulette writes historical fiction for the romantic at heart reader who craves page-turning twists and a touch of the supernatural. Paulette infuses her stories with realistic detail to create a cinematic, immersive experience for the reader. As a history lover, she can get lost for days in her research, learning everything she can about the places in her novels and what her characters might have experienced in the past. That sounds familiar. Who else in this room? <laughs> um, that might be me. <laughs> that might be you. Okay. Queen of the Rabbit Trails. <laughs> I'm Queen of the Rabbit Trail too, but generally Ooh. not so much with the historical stuff. Originally from the Missouri Ozarks, Paulette now lives with her family in a quiet suburb of Los Angeles. In her free time, she enjoys tending to her garden, knitting, and finding unique vintage treasures at thrift stores and flea markets. Those are things I also enjoy. You don't want me to knit anything. I tried that once. It was just a big knot. Really? I did not do knitting. I did knotting. Is what knotting, knotting, knitting. Terrible. You could try tatting or crocheting perhaps, but that's another story <laughs> for, an, for another day. I know my skills. I know my weaknesses, Carrie. <laughs> Always good to know um, what your skills are, for sure. So speaking of skills, one mm -hmm. of Nola's skills is she's the queen of the tarot here on our show. And we have for you a fun new deck today that we're exploring. I'm very excited about this deck. I got this recently when I went down to New Orleans. It is the Hoodoo Tarot. And since our book is set um, in the, the area that it is, because I've been enjoying reading this one, I will let Paulette tell you more about that. But the choice was deliberate with the Hoodoo deck. And so our card today, I've been shuffling. Our card is the Six of Coins. The Six of Coins. And so this, if I can get it in there. All right. So in the hoodoo tradition, um, the itchy palm means that money is coming. And depending on where you're from, it's which palm is the itchy one, is the one that denotes money coming in or money going out. Um, with my grandmother, what I was taught was if your right palm itches, and I know I'm mirrored here, but if your right palm itches, money is coming in. Your left palm itches, money is going out. You're going to lose money. So right palm itching is money coming in. So the positive side of this is anything that is financial gain. Um, if it was reversed, then you would be losing money. So this has to do with finances. And um, we'll let Paulette Tell us a little bit about how that particular something with money might have something to do with the Witch of Ten Mountain. I know what I think, but we'll let Paulette decide. <laughs> cool. I, I can't wait to find out. So we are about to travel through a portal into another world. And when we get there, hopefully, Paulette is going to be there as our guide to the world that we will find ourselves in. So here we go.
she is. Oh, Colette is here. here. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Just like magic. <laughs> Just like magic. <laughs> Through okay. the portal with Paulette. Through the portal with Paulette. All right. So Paulette, what worlds, not, not physically around you right, right now, but if we block that all out and um, yes, go into Swirl. this world. That yeah. world. That world. In mountain. In mountain world. Where are we? Well, we are in the Ozarks in Northwest Arkansas specifically in a fictional town called Ten Mountain. And it's in what we would call uh, like the Ozark Mountain area. And so it's a very lush, gorgeous part of the country, part of the world. And there are lots of rivers, there are lots of caves, beautiful forests, um, bluffs, mountains, gorgeous scenery, um, especially in the fall. Such a beautiful place. It's where I'm from originally. What are the trees like there? I, I'm actually I'm curious. I'm from Northern yeah. World. We have a lot of coniferous, evergreen kind of trees around here. So, what kind of forests are we are we looking at? Kind of trees. Trees are so mystical, magical. I'm always yes, they are. We have a mixture of trees in the Ozarks. We have a lot of deciduous trees, but we also have a lot of evergreens. And um, yeah, there's a lot of pines in Arkansas. Loblolly usually uh, very tall pines. Uh, the Army Corps of Engineers actually planted a lot of pine trees um, during the Great Depression era uh, because they used them for telephone poles and for railroad ties and, and such. And so um, that part of the country grows big, beautiful trees. Uh, the soil is very rich. And so uh, there's a variety of trees. We have that's one of the reasons why we have such beautiful falls because we have all of those gorgeous deciduous trees like maples and elms that turn such brilliant gold and red and orange. But we also have that deep, deep green of the evergreens. Um, so it's, it's just beautiful. It's, it's a part of the country that I don't know that a lot of people have experienced, but I would welcome you to, to go there anytime because you will be pleasantly surprised. Well, it sounds like the perfect setting for a magical book. You've got forests and hills and bluffs and rivers and all the elements of, you know, magical anything yeah. all around you. Yeah, there's a locust a, tree in the book, too. That's yes. a very important locust tree, which yes, is, uh, not everybody knows about here, but locust yeah, trees. We have some locust trees. Locust mm -hmm. trees, yeah, we've got some here in Tennessee too. So I was like, yes, they don't grow grasshoppers, so um... not, not grasshoppers, <laughs> not a grasshopper. Not a grasshopper. <laughs> they're a very precious tree in a lot of ways. Uh, the pods are edible, and so mm -hmm. uh, my characters sustain themselves on on those locust pods during an especially difficult winter. But uh, the main feature of a locust tree is its thorns. It is a very, very thorny tree. When I was growing up, there was a huge locust tree in one of the parks that I frequently went to as a child. And those thorns always, I always remember that tree because it was very, very tall, had huge limbs. And these, these thorns were just covering almost every part of that tree from the trunk to the branches. And they're very long thorns. They're at least two to three inches long. So you wouldn't want to walk under a locust tree barefoot. Nope. <laughs> and uh, so that was that tree in that park was kind of the inspiration for the tree that I put in the Witch of Ten Mountain. Hmm. 
um, it's amazing that I've remembered that tree so well <laughs> and so clearly, uh, but that park was a very old park too. It had existed um, since the founding of my hometown. And so it, in the, in the 1860s. And so I love that I was able to use it in this book since yeah. I was back in the Ozarks during the time I was finishing this book. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we're in the Ozarks in this yeah. small town, mountains, trees, in the middle of the depression and our main character, can you, we have two main characters. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, so uh, the book opens from Graceland's perspective. She's a young woman, 19 years old. Um, she's an orphan. She was adopted by um, her grandmother, who is the other main character of the novel, only 50 years before. So her perspective is written when she was the same age as Grace Lynn, and her name is Deirdre in her timeline, and uh, Granny in Gracie's timeline. And so Granny has taught Grace Lynn all of the skills and all of the lore that goes into being a Granny woman, which is the Mid-South version of like a wise woman and a midwife, and they provide lots of services to their community. Um, they do provide charms and, and spells and such when they're necessary. Um, they have a very herbal, like green type of magic. Um, Southern Conjure kind of plays into that a little bit as well with some of their rituals and some of the, the items that they, they make and use. Uh, there's wards that they create um, out of sticks and twigs to ward off this character that <laughs> you'll meet in the story. And uh, what a they, great character that is, too. <laughs> yeah. Love that so I did a lot of research about what that would have looked like in the era and in the area as well. In so South Louisiana, a... we call that root work. Root That's work. They're the root workers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. You know, my my friend um, Maddie Maddie Dawson, who you may know of, who writes the women's fiction books with a little magic in. She's she says her grandmother could remove warts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was a spell, and she knew how to do that. So, you know, it was just a well, that's thing. useful. Yeah. I might know that one actually. Um or at least the the superstition and the what that what came out of that. Um my mother always told me that if you wanted to get rid of warts, you cut a potato in half, you rub it over the warts and you say some kind of little chant about getting rid of the warts and then you go out under the light of a full moon and you bury the potato and then your wrote your um warts would fall off <laughs> just a few days later i think so, i was told that one too now that you said yeah, that about the, yeah. the potato i was like the potato i know the potato <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know the potato one why a potato i wonder I, I don't know maybe there's something with the tannins or something like maybe. that that actually like scientifically from a medical perspective gets rid of the warts depending on what it's mostly for seed warts that's kind of what my mom had used it for huh. magical potatoes i you know i love that that's a wonderful wonderful thing um so there it sounds like there's also a, any good fantasy paranormal supernatural book always has some force of evil and darkness in it so it sounds yes. like we definitely have that in play here yes absolutely uh we have a sinister evangelist who comes to town and he comes <laughs> preaching about all the signs and miracles and wonders that he can perform and 
so he's he's a threat he's a threat in a couple of different ways he's a threat from a spiritual perspective but he's also a threat from a just practical perspective because we're in the great depression um, my main characters make their living providing cures and care for the community the community is impoverished they make their living mostly with timber and manufacturing and timber harvesting and not everyone does that so they have to kind of rely on one another and one of the ways in which my characters get food and materials and money is by providing these cures um, in one part of the book graceland says that we never ask for money for our cures but whatever people can give us so sometimes that's a can of beans sometimes it's a can of evaporated milk sometimes it's whatever change you know that people had floating around in order to pay for these cures but they never outwardly ask and so this minister comes to town sets up his revival tent and he just has all of these townspeople in thrall and when Graceland goes to this revival to kind of see who her enemy is she realizes that he's maybe a little bit more than human and she kind of gets thrown into a bit of a vision where she sees some of his true nature come through um, because she and her grandmother both have some like clairvoyant powers as well clairvoyant abilities and so they can kind of get a read on people they can read their auras and and such and this this guy josiah bellflower he he's very charming he's very charismatic but he has a dark side and so throughout the novel that becomes more and more apparent great i i there was an excellent segue in there for the for the tarot card do you want to discuss yes. that bring that back out there Nola? so our our six of coins and our money coming in and money going out and for me of course money is going out because it's the great depression and then they're just struggling they're they're struggling so much however every bit of money that's coming in um our reverend here i love the fact that he has this whole revival and he provides all of this healing and everything and doesn't quote a lick of scripture which i thought was like perfect like oh here's how we sum him up he does yes. not even quote a lick of scripture but he's a rover and coming to save them all from the evil but he is also at that revival one of the very first things that we we learn about him is he's healing all of these people is they are willingly giving their money to him they're just you know putting that money in his coffers as opposed to what Graceland and her her grandmother need to pay for, you know, their own way that you know the services that they are actually providing out of the goodness of their hearts and their own abilities. So we've got that kind of push and pull with motivation and money, and who's actually making the money for the right reasons and providing the healing for the right reasons, versus who's actually getting the money for it. So I kind of thought that was an interesting card, one because of the Great Depression, but also because of that that kind of um having to save themselves and who they are and what they can do and that you know working against that threat but also financially what this this man's visit is doing to them yeah so our card is actually apropos today i love it that really when that happens <laughs> I, I love that too and money is a recurring theme throughout the novel and it's a recurring theme in deirdre's timeline as well mm -hmm. because these the poverty has followed them that family pretty much throughout their lives, it looks a little bit different in different ways, but there's a lot of contrast in Deirdre's timeline with, with class differences. And mm -hmm. uh, especially once Deirdre goes to Charleston, we see that even more. 
And my dad grew up during the Great Depression. So I based a lot of what Graceland had experienced um, on my dad's experiences growing up during the Depression and things he told me about what it was like to live that impoverished life and how you didn't let anything go to waste and how you found a way to use everything. And to he was always telling us growing up, save, save money for a rainy day. And so, and don't spend all your money in one place. That was another one of his sayings as well. And so I think having had a father who grew up during that era really helped me to have an accurate portrayal of what it would have been like for Grace Lynn and her family. Right. And Gracie is very good with money. Um, she's been saving up money for most of her life. And, um, you know, ironically, early in her life, not to give too much away, but she talks about this fairly early in the book. She made her way through pickpocketing because her father was um, an alcoholic and, and did not hold down a job. And so she had to, in order to survive, she had to steal. And so we, we see her talking about that in the novel. I love that, that imagery of her, because you imagine her as this tiny little thing. And she said they did the people, because she was on the Frisco train. And so she's kind of going through the crowd of the people on the Frisco train and she's picking their pockets. And because she's so little, they're not paying any attention to her. And so she got right. real good at it. She got really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> that Frisco train. <laughs> yeah. I love that, that imagery that conjures up. Yeah. No. And that was the main rail line that ran through uh, Missouri and Arkansas. And of course it connected to the trains that went out West to San Francisco, but there was like no direct line to San Francisco, but they called it the Frisco because you could get to San Francisco <laughs> by riding the trains eventually. Yes. Now, Paulette, when we were talking uh, earlier backstage, you mentioned that um, Graceland kind of felt almost like you were channeling her a little bit. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I love all of my characters. Like all of my characters eventually feel like real people. Graceland was the first person that felt like a real person from the very beginning, from the inception of my inspiration for this novel and starting writing it, her voice was so strong that she came through almost like a person, almost like I was channeling the spirit of someone who actually had lived. And that was the first time that that has ever happened to me while I've been writing. And so I just kind of felt in some ways I was taking dictation from her side of the equation. And it was really a wonderful experience. And I love her voice. She's very feisty. She's very strong-willed. She's she's a character. You know, she's a very, I, I just have a lot of love for her character. And I hope that comes through in the novel because she did, she felt like a real person to me. And she still does whenever I go back and I read. And to be quite honest, there are times whenever I either hear a snippet of that novel or I read it. And I'm like, I don't really remember even writing that. It's like, so, and I think we all love that a little bit as authors, but I do think sometimes maybe there is some kind of spiritual component, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert and her book, Big Magic kind of oh, talks about that, yeah, how absolutely. like we're tapping into some kind of collective unconsciousness or the news, right you know? yeah, chills. Yeah. So I do think that's an aspect of creativity that, that feels kind of mystical. And, right. Yeah. Right. I love that part. And I, and I really, I love that in big magic, the whole idea that, well, the idea <laughs> that there are ideas floating around out there trying to connect with the right person, like ideas are actually alive in some way and, mm -hmm. you know, have their own magic. Um, it certainly feels that way. Sometimes when one finds me, um, I'm guessing that you guys feel the same way. And it's like, oh, yeah. I, I'm writing this, you know, there's a point where it's like, 
editor and agent, I hope you guys like this, but if you don't, I'm writing it anyway, because I'm yeah. in now, you know? Yeah. So ironically, the books uh, that have come to me like that are the ones that have sold. Like yeah. I've pitched several concepts to my publisher that they didn't necessarily reject outright, but like right. I usually present two or three different pitches to them whenever we're ready to go to acquisitions with the next project. And they always choose the one that was that, that came from that seed of fiery inspiration. Mm -hmm. And so it, I do think that there is an element, this, it's almost like an ineffable, like kind of element that mm -hmm. comes from those ideas more so than the ideas that we sit and workshop. Although those are just as valid and just as I'm wonderful, sure. make great books too. But there's just a sense of just something that's is special. Right. about those ideas that just seem to come out right. of the blue well they're the it's most not so funny. much yeah it's not so much that it's the story that you want to tell as much as it's the story that must be told right and yes. that's a you know that we we want to tell a lot of stories but some of them must be told right. and yeah. it's that insistence by the story more yeah. than the author at that point that it, it's got to come out and this is it's just gonna but yes. sorry, this is one I'm writing <laughs> because it has to be written. Right. You know, I love it when that happens. Yeah. yeah, it's very compelling. You know, you're compelled as a writer to write that story right. and you're inspired and it doesn't feel as much like a chore to write those right. stories. I don't yeah. feel like. Right. Those are, those are the best kind. Um, I believe we have reached the, the point here where we need to set a challenge um, yes. for either for Graceland and or Granny. Um, so Nola, do you have... Um, any anything that we should uh, present to them? I think so. If we were going to keep out an unwelcome visitor, because we talked about potatoes and the Ooh, warts already, so we're not going like to ever get rid of warts. Um, so if we wanted to keep an unwelcome visitor at bay away from us, how might Gracelyn or Granny decide to do that? Well, there are several things that you could do and you could use. Uh, there are different wards for different purposes. Uh, when we see Graceland go into the revival, she tucks a sprig of rosemary behind her ear. That's a very simple, easy to do ward that keeps people away. Uh, sage is classic um, for you know purging negative energy. And we see in the book that a ring of salt and a ring of either sulfur or azafetida can really help with um, clearing and, and keeping negative energy away. And so they do that and they do it with fire as well. So azafetida, that's, that's a strong smell too. Like, yes. you know, when that's there. Yeah. <laughs> this word you guys are saying, I'm not picking it up because I don't know it. So what was it that we're talking about? Azafetida. As a fetida, what, what is fetida? What is this? What is it? Is it a? It's a weed. It's a weed. Okay, so we don't have it's that here in this part of the world. So okay. Um, yeah, it actually so, came from India, I believe, originally. I think that the immigrants, you know, brought it over uh -huh. uh, through time and uh, it, made its way here. If somebody was coming <laughs> to my house and I really didn't like it, it was company that I really didn't want. <laughs> Tell me, um, is there is there a ward, or are you just a writer and you're oh. trying to can people keep bothering you? Is there anything you can like put, you know, inside your door that will make them not want to come in? Well, uh, there's always the horseshoe, you know, or horseshoe with uh, up to let the luck, good luck come in. 
yeah. there are a lot of things in Southern Conjure that you can do. You always want to sweep away from your house instead of toward your house when you're sweeping your porch because you want to sweep that energy away from your entryway, your portal into your world. Um, crystals work really well for absorbing negativity, but there's just you know, clearing red brick dust. Red brick. I was going to bring up brick dust. That's more of a thing with root work and, and conjure is in the deep south. Yep. Um, but yes, that. and graveyard dirt as well. Mm -hmm. so, so would you say some words over that too? Like if, if I had somebody coming to my house, I really didn't want them to want to be here. So I could spread some brick dust and then, you know, are there, are there words you would say, or do we know? Um, it just, it just depends. That's, that's kind of where your family history and your grimoires come in, your book, uh -huh. like incantations and chants and things like that are very personal. There, there uh -huh. are definitely some things that you can do that are kind of classic. Um, uh -huh. But I would just say, you know, if I were doing it, if I like say, for instance, if I, I knew someone was coming over that had a lot of negative energy that kind of a tends to like vent and trauma dump a lot. Like, right. I mean, I've been that person a lot in my life trauma too. Mama. Yeah. But I would, I would probably just say something like um, good energy, good positive energy, let the negative flow out and the good flow in. And so I don't know, like, part of me is like does the woo-woo work or is it just that we think it works and so we're like manifesting like our in in our own attitude and influencing people but when I do things like that or like just light a white candle or something like that it really does make a difference like in the energy and I think that people pick up on energy without even realizing it I have a friend who is a massage therapist therapist and she she works with energetics a lot and she absolutely says that intention you know manifests in her work all the time and she can feel intention she can use intention in her work um, and clear a lot of negativity from people and they feel better after seeing her not only physically but but spiritually as well Intention's a powerful thing. And then, you know, root work yeah. in South Louisiana, you know, our hoodoo voodoo root work traditions down there, you know, there are words that are passed down generationally in the family, but a whole lot of it is whatever words you feel give that power or the words that you use, whether they are, yes. you know, whatever your grandmother might've said, it may not be the one that works for you. It may be whatever you need to say, and you yeah. say those things. And it, that's, that's what you use, which is why I, I love the, prayer, the tradition, you know? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of tie in with Christianity and root work and conjure in the Southern tradition. Like you see people going to church every Sunday, but they still do like their conjure and their root work and the green magic, you know, it's not Marie Laveau, a classic example. She yeah. was a devout Catholic and yeah. she was also the queen of voodoo in New Orleans, exactly. a devout you Catholic. Uh, you know, what do we do at church? We light candles, usually white That's candles, incense. <laughs> I and mean, rituals are very yeah. important. Ritual. Yes. Rituals, rituals, rituals intentions, prayers. Yeah, I mean, it's all the same people. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. All the same absolutely. Thing. It's all the same thing. It's just connecting with the spiritual, connecting mm -hmm. with the divine. All right. Well, um, we want to let you all know that you can connect with Paulette at she has a website, and it's paulettekennedy.com. She is on Twitter and Instagram as at P. Kennedy writes. Is this correct? Yes. Okay. 
Um, I always go look for things on the internet and I'm never sure if I find actual accurate stuff. The book we have been talking about today is The Witch of Tin Mountain, again, by book. Paulette Kennedy. And um, we hope, uh, Paulette, that you will come back and visit us again when you have another book. I would book. love to. I would love to. Thank you both so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Awesome. It was fun for us too. Uh, listeners, uh, please, I hope you will join us again for another episode where we have another guest and explore another world. That's it for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.